Hey, Derek, thanks so much for joining me on the call. Thanks for having me, Chad. I've, I've been a fan of yours for a while on your YouTube channel, talking about all things prop tech, and I've got a number of questions uh, for you. And I shared some of these with you uh, before as well. Uh, so I, th I think you've had a little bit of time to sit on these. Uh, but before we even jump into those questions, I'd really like to just define what prop tech is. And there's, there's a video that you've done where you say that there's the formal definition, and then there's kind of been a little bit of a colloquial definition where the market as a whole has taken it beyond what that traditional one is. Can you just share uh, with us what the, what prop tech actually is? Yeah. And I've kind of settled on my own definition. The longer I've spent working in prop tech and with founders and real estate professionals. So the way I define it is really uh, any application of technology to enhance any part of the entire real estate life cycle. So that ranges from anywhere from transactions to pre-development to construction to property management. So the life cycle can last hundreds of years, uh, depending on how well you maintain a building. And um, I mean, some people like to bifurcate prop tech into uh, prop tech and contact. Like they'll, for some reason, contact is just its own thing. But I like to just lump it all under one umbrella. And I call anything that applies to the entire life cycle prop tech. I like that. That's a very clean definition. That's the best one that I've heard so far. So I wanted, I wanted to have this episode catered towards either building owners or brokers or even affiliated professionals in that real estate space and really to have it so that there we can cut through a lot of the noise. You're very active in this space. So you'd see this uh, magnitude of order much more than I do. But even from my vantage point, I'm always being inundated with, here's some new prop tech, or you need to have this service, or here's one that you absolutely need to incorporate. I come from it as a perspective of as both a broker and a property owner myself. So I, I'm getting overwhelmed with how much new prop tech is coming on the market. So I really wanted to cut through some of that noise and really just focus on like some of the ones that that are really exciting you, what should be on people's radar. And then we could even get a little bit more into the weeds talking about like a warehouse property, for example. But starting that off, is there any prop tech that uh, that's new or forthcoming that is really catching your attention and you think should be on people's radar? Sure, absolutely. And I don't blame you for getting inundated with uh, all the stuff that's out there because, I mean, the job of PropTech founders and the VCs that back them is to really just like push this stuff towards the customers, like you and I. Uh, you're a broker, you, you're a property owner, I'm a landlord, I'm a developer. Uh, so I do see a lot of stuff out there, but the sad fact of the matter is most PropTech is just not that good. So <laughs> you have to develop a good filter for it. Um, and it, a lot of it comes from like how good of a match the founder is with the product they're doing, um, whether the, the product really makes sense, if it's the right timing, um, and if it has a good risk return profile for the customer, not for the VCs that are investing in it. And there's often a big disconnect between those two, um, but that's a whole other topic. Mm -hmm. But um, getting to your question about what's on my radar, um, there's some broad uh, technology segments that I'm super excited about. And it's, I mean, it's not a secret to anybody. Generative AI is hot right now. Like it just took the world by storm. Like you see what GPT can do. 
Uh, we're on GPT-4 now. Um, generative AI is just like, it's ridiculous what it can do with imagery and videos and, and how rapidly it's evolving and being adopted. It's faster than any other technology cycle we've ever seen before. So that's one area. And I think we've only scratched the surface of what it can do in real estate. Um, another area, or rather two areas that are kind of overlapping are augmented reality and machine vision. So I think those are areas where the, the applications to real estate are a little bit more obvious. Um, for example, um, virtual tours, uh, because the pandemic accelerated the need for people to be able to see properties without actually physically being there. So naturally anything related to 3D mapping, um, vir virtual reality <clears throat> and, and eventually augmented reality, which I think Apple is kind of spurring along with their, their latest headset, we're going to see some uh, rapid adoption and development of new technologies on that front. Uh, and then the last segment, it's a little bit further down the road, but um, it's robotics. And I think the combination, like the convergence of all these technologies, <coughs> excuse me, generative AI, augmented reality, machine vision, like install all that kind of software into a type of humanoid robot and things get really scary because you're going to see like human level intelligence in a humanoid form able to perform the jobs of most people. And I think that we're going to see, I mean, if the robots don't just like kill us all, <laughs> we're going to see some large gains in uh, construction productivity, for example. Like you just need to purchase and, and charge robots instead of uh, needing to get uh, workers comp and hire and train humans and you know feed them and they get tired they have to rest like you can have robots working 24 7 if you got enough of them just on a rotation of being charged versus working um and yeah combine that with some of the foundational work that's happening with machine vision um 3d bim models um like just project tracking uh using machine vision um and like you can do some ridiculous things once all of these things start converging on on basically robots. So that's what excites me. When you go into machine uh, imaging, was sorry, I didn't. I, I'm not familiar with that one. Mach machine viewing or machine imaging? Machine vision. Machine vision. Can you go into that I one mean, a bit more? Yeah, it's a branch of AI that basically. Um, well, fun fact: it actually. It's actually a branch that dates back almost a hundred years. Um, mm. The technology goes back to the, the roots of what's called OCR, um, optical character recognition. Um, and it was first done with uh, microfilm just by identifying uh, holes, locations of holes in microfilm. Um, and it, obviously it's rapidly improved to the point where computers and, and, and AI is able to recognize uh, individual objects within a photo or, or track an object within a video. So uh, that's of course useful for some of the prop tech that I've seen, which actually will take a look at uh, where you are in a construction site and then map it to your BIM model and then track right. the progress against your, your Gantt chart, your, your project management software. And it'll be like, oh, your plumbing is 60% done at this point because that's what 
that's what the the latest 3D video walkthrough has shown versus the plan. I can see why you're getting so excited about what the future is because the you're right the generative uh language models that are out there right now are incredibly sophisticated whether chat gpt or bard or midjourney what they're already capable of doing is already uh, very fascinating then you add in machine vision i've heard that i've heard that concept before i haven't heard that name so I've, i'm glad that you uh shared some more light on that and then adding it all together with future robotics humanoid i think that there's going to be a ton of uh, automation just in warehouses one one term interestingly that's getting floated around more in the industrial space are dark warehouses where they're all going to be run by by machines and robots yeah, why do you need lights why do you need lights <laughs> there's nobody in there you, it, it's a dark warehouse so i think that that's actually coming a lot sooner than than people realize how do you as as an expert in this space filter out all that noise that we talked about and really narrow in on the ones that will have real world application and have the ability to either save time or make money or some combination of both. Yeah. So, I mean, that largely comes from my experience as a real estate professional, and it's just something you develop over time, um, especially if you're a regular prop tech user. Um, my, I, I call it a super villain origin story in prop tech is that I, I didn't have many good experiences with PropTech products. And uh, so I founded the PropTech Scout on the premise that I was on a mission to find the best in class companies out there and you know, kind of ignore all the rest. Because like I said before, most PropTech is bad. <laughs> and uh, unfortunately, we have an investment environment that doesn't actually align with the customers. Uh, VCs really prioritize getting their uh, 10x or rather their portfolio three to five x returns, which is it's like mediocre um, over the course of 10 years. Um, but in order to get those, they have to push a couple companies to 100 or 1000 x returns and then everything else dies. So the everything else is the bad prop tech that tends to burn real estate owners because what happens to owners? who are using products that are integrated with their buildings that suddenly go bankrupt. Like the, the parent companies are just gone. Like, what are you supposed to do? I've been in that situation a couple of times and it's, it's needlessly painful because I was the one who chose to use the prop tech in the first place. I volunteered for that experience. So in retrospect, I'm kicking myself a lot for doing that. Um, and I'm, I'm leveraging that experience now to advise founders and just I, as I'm traveling around the world, which I've been doing quite a bit for a few months now, I, I'm just finding more and more prop tech out there and I'm getting pickier and pickier about what I like and what I don't like. So uh, going, yeah, going to your original question about what are some of the filters I use? Um, I actually did a pretty intricate blog post about the risk levels of prop tech uh, that unfortunately a lot of founders and VCs both don't understand because again, they don't, they don't empathize from the perspective of us as customers, which is, is kind of shocking and unfortunate. Um, but, uh, I did come up with a, a pretty complex formula, like a mathematical formula for it that gauges the risk level on a scale of one to 10. Uh, and I'm a little bit fuzzy at this point cause I wrote it so long ago, but, 
Um, there were a number of major variables that drove the risk levels. Um, one of them was whether it is funded by VC or not, because uh, it, it pushes prop tech founders to go in directions that are not necessarily aligned with their customers. Um, another one is the maturity of the technology. So I'm less willing to experiment with the bleeding edge of technology because it's just not proven yet. So uh, a founder may be a great match for the tech, but it's probably not a great match for real estate. Um, another part was how old is the company? What, what's its track record? What's its founder track record? And this is where a lot of prop tech companies fall apart because like, if I'm going to put something in my building for the next 50 years and the company has only been around for four, <laughs> I don't think I'm going to use it, no matter how big the company is. Um, so, uh, and then there was one more factor. Ah, I can't remember it, but go to my website, look for the blog. <laughs> You'll find I, it. I will find it. I'll post a link to that too. I haven't read it, so I, I'm quite interested as well. I think you address a really big risk that I hadn't thought of is if the company does go under. And, and that's a pretty big fear that if you adopt a technology and you start incorporating it into your business or incorporate it into the workflow of running a building and you become dependent on that technology and then the company goes under, what do you do in that situation if if the software just no longer runs and that's become a vital component of, of your business? Yeah, and there is a lesson that I like to tell founders. Um, and it's the way I phrase it is basically, there is one question that's asked three different ways by three different parties in respect to new prop tech. Uh, and the question is, what could possibly go wrong? And from the founder's perspective, when they're pitching their product, they're like, what could possibly go wrong? Because they're the eternal optimists and they totally believe in their mission and their vision and their product. And sometimes they're just completely blinded to it because they have to operate in that optimistic manner. So yeah, you ask them what could possibly go wrong. Like if you tell them that your valuation is going to get destroyed if their company disappears, they don't want to hear that, <laughs> but it's a cold, hard truth. Um, so the second group that asks that question is the VCs. They're like, what could possibly go wrong? Well, their investment could, could go to zero. That's all they're concerned about. <laughs> like they don't really care about the aftermath of the value destruction in real estate from a failed prop tech company. And that's the part that really pisses me off. Um, they just care like overall, what are their portfolio returns? What could possibly go wrong with this company? Um, is the upside better than the downside? And they just kind of manage towards that. And then they just push for growth. Um, thankfully, now they're actually looking for profits, which is, it's a baby step in the right direction. Um, but yeah, the third party are people like us. When we ask what could possibly go wrong, we're thinking about our worst case scenario. Like what happens when I have to separate your failed product from my property. Like how painful is that experience going to be? If it's if it's like a one-time use product and it it just it's just not a big part of the property life cycle, no big deal. But like you were saying before, if it's property management software, like what if you got a thousand units across your portfolio? You got to tell a thousand tenants, 
I'm changing my property management software. So uh, the, the changeover is going to happen in this time. This is how it's going to affect you. Just be ready for the, the transition date. And then you got to train all your staff to use your new, new software. Uh, and then processes are going to change all across the board. You're probably going to have to, to transport all these files over. Uh, nothing will go smoothly. It's not going to be a quick process either. Um, so like, th this is just one of those cases where it's just like so integrated with your property that you have to think about whether you want to go through that pain. If the, if the company's not making money at that point, if it's a young company, if, the, if they're struggling to raise their next round, like, do you want to deal with all that? <laughs> so again, the question is what could possibly go wrong? And I think a prudent founder will ask it all three ways. I, th I, yeah, I'm, I'm so glad that we actually had this conversation because I, I think that that does shine light on a, on a very large risk that a property owner might embark on if they're going with a new company uh, that perhaps just developed a property management software and and maybe there's a promotional discount for signing up early but you're right you go and integrate that into your system and you have a thousand units and something goes wrong all of a sudden that was a lot more risk to take than they might have originally figured when they have to go and change that so i, I think that's a really profound point to 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 make on that i i don't i don't know what the answer is on 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 what what quantifies the risk reward basis on whether someone does get enough upside to justify that downside risk i guess that's a case-by-case -case basis and and like you said is it a one-off thing or is it something that's going to completely integrate into your business that it would cause some sort of disruption if you left it's i guess you almost have to look at that on a case-by-case -case basis uh are, are there any any prop tech solutions that you think are absolutely mandatory and maybe mandatory is a, a too strong of a word because uh, there, there's probably some operators out there who still run with a paper notepad and they are profitable and they say i don't need any of this prop tech stuff so may, maybe mandatory is too strong of a word but are there solutions prop tech solutions or systems out there that you've seen that have the ability to be transformative and beneficial to the point that it's way better than doing it the old way well, uh, this actually touches on a point that I think not enough people in prop tech understand. Um, and I think my answer is actually no, there is no necessary prop tech out there. <laughs> I love <laughs> and, the candor. Yeah, the reason for that is because most of your deal profits as a deal maker, a developer, an investor is done at acquisition. And you don't need any real tech for that. You look at the history of the greatest developers in the world. They all have like amazing charisma and they're shrewd. They, they have fantastic mental arithmetic um, and, and they just know how to get a deal done. And, you know, they don't even need a cell phone. <laughs> they just, they just need a good handshake, eye to eye contact and just identify someone who is in a bad position and then just aggressively take over the property. Uh, and again, that's where the majority of profits are made in a deal. And everything beyond that, once you close on a property and your profits are pretty much locked in, you know, you've got a great basis, you got a great location, you know, the trends of the location, then, uh, 
yeah, like PropTech is just ancillary. It at best enhances some of your margins, but really it's never going to make or break a deal. Uh, and that's that's an unfortunate truth that a lot of PropTech founders still don't understand. Like that's, that's something I have to drop on them when I have intro phone calls with them um, because they think they're changing the world. They think they're changing the industry, but no, like they're, they're not even changing one segment of one asset class. It's just, they're just at best evolving it slightly because that's, that's another sad truth. Like real estate evolves extremely slowly. It doesn't, it just doesn't suddenly get disrupted. It's just too big for that. Um, but again, like a lot of founders, hopeful founders and VCs, they salivate over the, the prospect that, you know, real estate is the largest asset class in the world. Why can't we take it on and change it all? There's good reasons for that. <laughs> like, if you're not a deal maker, unless you're like, uh, unless you're, you're able to replace the EQ of a, a very charismatic business leader and deal maker, then no, you're not going to change the value creation that they they achieve on a deal. Um, so yeah, like I I didn't really go into any prop tech because like I again I think it's just it's just ancillary. <laughs> I, I I love it. I think it's a brilliant answer, and and it wasn't what I was expecting, but I I appreciate it because. I think there's that misnomer in the industry that, and it goes beyond VC, goes beyond the founders, it goes beyond even the outlookers, call, call it like a real estate journalist who's reporting on a new prop tech, goes beyond all of that to the to the end user, where there is that misconception out there that there's that prop tech might transform the industry altogether, or that there is a silver bullet which will perhaps render some facet of the industry unnecessary. I think of brokers as being one. I've, I've been in the industry for almost 20 years, and I've heard from day one that some technology at some point is going to replace brokers. Uh, that's one example, but I think that there is a case to be made that there's tech out there that could replace property managers in theory, not, not to suggest that there is by any means, or to replace accounting or bookkeeping or to have a chat GPT start drafting your legal con contracts. I think that there is that broad perception that technology has been advancing or has the potential to advance to a level where, where it can start replacing some of these positions. And I, I, I just enjoy how you described it, that real estate is very complex. There's, there's a lot of layers to it and maybe, maybe there are some changes maybe there is some transformation either underway or in the future but it, it is a very complex system and and what i completely agree with is that that guy who has that notebook and an old hp uh, uh, calculator uh, who's doing his his math on that guy if he knows who to talk to he sees opportunity and he knows what he's doing he can be just as successful as somebody that's incorporating every piece of prop tech that's on the market right now and I think I really do think that's an important thing to note and and I want to get further on your thoughts on it but prop tech can help people but it's not it's not a silver bullet to solve every problem yeah, and it's, it's just like how there's that perennial argument of whether AI is going to replace jobs. Maybe, maybe not. But for the most part, we're seeing that in, it enhances the productivity of people. 
It's not mm-hmm. just completely replacing people. And in the cases where it's replacing people, it's also creating a lot of jobs. Like we've seen all throughout history that new technology will destroy jobs, but it'll also create jobs. Yeah. And, and I think that that's very clear on what's happening here as well. Uh, so yeah, great point on that. Uh, if we could, I'd love to dive into just some of the, the more property property level prop tech solutions that are out there. And one of the questions that I sent you was smart warehouses, internet of things. And it even goes back to what we had just talked about with dark warehouses. Uh, but any, any prop tech systems that you've seen out there recently that uh, can either help with efficiency or help with uh, property values? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, I mean, my original answer still stands that most of the profits are made at the the deal making stage at acquisition. So, like, it's about picking the right location, understanding local demand. Are you near a major highway, transportation hub? Like, are you serving a growing and underserved urban center? Or uh, like, if you find a distressed deal, that's usually the best case. Um, and everything else that PropTech can do is pretty much a rounding error on your profits if you've snagged a really good deal. Uh, So that being said, um, there is always room for efficiencies. Um, We're actually, I think, in a um, pretty good time for PropTech because of the rising interest rate environment. It is uh, forcing a lot of the owners to tighten their belts and drive OPEX efficiencies or CAPEX efficiencies wherever they can, because they actually have to put a lot of their cash flow towards debt service, rising debt for service when they have to refinance. And there's something like $1.5 trillion of debt that's coming due in the commercial real estate space across the US uh, by the end of 2025. And that's uh, there's going to be a lot of musical chairs with owners going on. And the ones that are able to hang on are mostly going to be the ones that uh, optimize their operations. So this is this is a golden opportunity for PropTech um, because if they can deploy at scale solutions that really drive value without putting properties at risk, then they will capture large chunks of market share. So um, yeah, that being said, I think that there's a few areas um, where you can drive efficiency. Um, on the, the maintenance side, for example, there's lots of IOT sensors that you can put on major equipment because, uh, as warehouses become more automated, you're going to have more sophisticated robotics and, and mechanical equipment. And these things are not cheap. And there are a lot of different strategies for maintaining equipment. Um, but the, some of the best strategies really converge on a mix of preventative maintenance and predictive maintenance. And both of those do require some degree of monitoring what's going on with your equipment um, and figuring out where and when it might break down so that you don't have any downtime in your operations. So um, that can save a lot on the CapEx side. Uh, On the OpEx side, um, I mean, we were talking about dark warehouses because like, if you just have a bunch of robots there, they just use lasers to see instead of, instead of what we see as humans, um, or maybe they use the infrared spectrum, but, uh, if you still have some humans, you can optimize your energy usage, um, and you can monitor all your devices and, and kind of, uh, find the, the, the optimal 
optimal energy usage for pretty much anything that uses electricity. Um, and then of course you can always throw solar panels off on top of your warehouse. Like almost every warehouse doesn't have tree cover and I don't know why more people aren't doing it. Um, but I'm in Europe right now and green energy is everywhere. Like it's Europe's probably a decade ahead of the U S in, in terms of sustainability. Um, and then further along, um, there's robotics, which I talked about before. Uh, you've seen companies like Amazon that, uh, that their, their warehouses are loaded with robots and they basically retrieve and store all those products. Um, and it helps eliminate, uh, theft and shrinkage. Um, and they tend to be a little bit more accurate than humans. Um, and then finally, I think security is a big area, uh, because if you have enough automation going on, you're probably going to reduce your staff and, that does open your buildings up to some vulnerabilities. So I've been seeing a, a number of prop tech companies that actually focus on applying the machine vision that we were talking about earlier to security camera feeds. So uh, these companies will train their, their algorithms to recognize certain kinds of imagery or video to recognize that like this is a theft going on or a break-in going on. Um, and you can immediately notify ownership, like in real time as this, this image is being processed, that this event is happening at this moment. Um, so I think, um, yeah, security is going to be uh, an increasing necessity as you, as you de-staff and fully automate these buildings. Yeah, that will be interesting because instead of just recording everything and almost looking back at it in retrospect and trying to identify where something occurred, you could get a lot a real lifetime feed, which in theory, if it got sent to the police, they would prioritize it, recognizing that it could be a, a break in and pro process. Uh, so, yeah, that'll, that'll be very interesting on the yeah. security side as well. I mean, it's a big next step because a lot of security cameras come in with the built in feature that uh, it will only record if there's motion happening and that saves all your storage, your, whether it's cloud storage or local storage. Um, so this, this next step is not only does it know when motion is happening, it can figure out and articulate what is happening. <laughs> that it's a huge next step, but it, it is happening already. So you that like, that's already underway. There's companies, there are companies that do it already. Yeah. Oh. I'll have to look into more of those because that does sound absolutely fascinating. Uh, circling back to the AR and the VR and even the machine vision, what what useful applications uh, are there for those right now? And you talked on machine vision, so maybe we could even just talk uh, AR and VR. What what can people do, whether it's an owner or broker or some other professional? What's, what's available right now or where do you see a use case uh, for those technologies? Yeah, uh, this is actually something I also wrote a blog post on, um, and I, I detailed a whole bunch of applications, but I feel like I'm only scratching the surface because um, these are just random ideas that I came up with. But um, as, as the ecosystem evolves and matures, it's going to be just like the app store with phones. People are going to come up with use cases that nobody even thought of years ago that could possibly be done. Um, but uh, yeah, a couple of the ideas that I had um, I mean, they, they really span the entire real estate life cycle, um, on the acquisition side, 
this is something I came up with when I was an early Google Glass user. Um, so I, yes, I was a glass hole for a few weeks before I returned <laughs> it. I, I hated it. <laughs> but uh, the feedback that I gave to Google was that, you know, I was like, yeah, I'm, I'm a real estate developer. I stare at buildings all day. And I thought it would be nice to look at a building and know information about it just by staring at it. So I think that would be especially useful. And you as a broker, you probably have your gears turning thinking about how this can apply to, to any piece of property that could possibly be for sale. So, um, like I, I would want to know like zoning information, uh, what, what buildable FAR there is, what I could put on this property, um, what, what mix of usages I could use. Uh, so there's, there's just so many things you can do, um, with acquisitions. Um, and then on the pre-development side, uh, so as you're, you're coming up with your plans for construction, uh, I talked a lot about 3D BIM models. Um, so there is just so much going on. I think 3D mapping is the second largest category of prop tech companies out there on my, my website's directory. Um, there are hundreds, um, probably over a thousand if you include all the ones that I wasn't able to find yet. Um, and they, they're focusing on creating digital twins, mapping what's out there or creating a virtual version of what's to be built. And there's just so much value in knowing what your building looks like in 3D. And it's a little bit shameful that the industry still works mostly on 2D plans. Um, I mean, it works, uh, but the 3D just drives so much more efficiency, especially from a property management's perspective. Like when you know exactly to the inch or centimeter, depending on where you are, um, where the pipes and the electrical conduits are in the walls, then you don't have to knock random holes all over the place uh, to try to find these things when you're trying to make a repair. Uh, but I mean, that's just one one use case for uh, 3D plans. So there's there's more than I can count. Um, but uh, yeah, so moving on to the construction phase of the life cycle. Um, I also talked a little bit about that earlier where like if you're if you're doing a walkthrough and you have like a 360 camera there's there's plenty of companies that are doing that right now that are just mapping out what exists. If you do that during construction then uh there's software out there that can compare it with your 3D plans and track your progress. Um likewise there's a lot of applications for inspections because um I mean for me as a developer inspections always lead to delays um, because there's never a case where you pass 100% of the inspections on the first try. So you just kind of build that in the schedule, but you just never know when it's going to happen. Um, it, the AR technology can possibly speed up inspections or even prevent uh, failed inspections because if you're running this software and it's got your zoning code built into it, and you just have somebody walk through, like one of your own people walking through just to check that you're doing everything to code and you're going to pass an inspection. Like that doesn't exist today. Um, and it would just save so much time because when the inspector actually comes, then you know you're going to pass. Or take it a step further. Maybe you can self-certify your inspections and do a walkthrough and then submit it to the, the Department of Buildings and they'll accept it. 
knowing that you've actually walked in the site, it's like geotagged or something. And, and like, it's like that could save so much time if it's just digitally verified that you've passed and the site conditions match what the zoning code requires. Um, that's something I'd like to see that just simply doesn't exist right now. Um, and then moving into your territory and sales, um, I touched a little bit on it with the acquisitions, but uh, there is an entire sub-segment of 3D mapping that relates to selling product, uh, whether it's apartments or like anything. Um, if you have a 3D tour version of it, it's going to sell faster. Like almost every broker knows that at this point, especially post-pandemic. So um, there are companies uh, that are doing totally real-time 3D interactive renderings where you can walk through it, uh, whether you're on a headset or you're on an iPad, um, and you you really get a sense of what the space is going to be like. And on top of that, you can you can swap out the interior finishes, you can change the furniture all in real time. Um, and in in the past, like you would have to you'd have to pay thousands of dollars for a 2D rendering. Uh, and you could only choose maybe a dozen angles in your budget, depending on how many units you have. And that's, you just got to sell off of those. Um, but now like people can just put on their VR headset at home and walk through a building that doesn't exist and they can design it to their liking. Um, and maybe they won't even step foot in the property before they buy it. So I, I think something like that's going to be huge. Um, and then, yeah, the last part of the, the life cycle is really maintenance. Um, I think there's a couple app, <coughs> excuse me, there's a couple applications here that don't really exist yet. Uh, it goes back to um, machine vision that I talked about before. I think there's a lot of potential in diagnostics, like just staring at a piece of equipment and then on your heads up display, it's like, this is the model of equipment you have. This is the... Uh, this is the name of the manufacturer. Here's their phone number. Uh, here are a bunch of service technicians that are licensed to service this product. Um, here's also some YouTube videos that show some troubleshooting you can do before you call a technician. Like all of this can appear as you're staring through an AR headset. Um, so I, I think, uh, I mean, that's just a taste of what's going to happen with AR headsets in any industry. Like you stare at something and you get relevant information. Um, and, and, like Tim Cook uh, touched a little bit on this. Um, if you dig into some of his interviews, he said what really made him uh, switch to being pro VR and AR is that there is the prospect of completely replacing cell phones as we know them today um, and getting rid of that behavior of just looking down at your phone, not staring eye to eye with people anymore. Like if, Glasses eventually evolve to a small enough form factor, you know, regular glasses or even contact lenses, and you have information streamed into your field of vision. Like, why do you need a phone anymore? I think that's where we're headed. So, um, yeah, I think I covered all the uh, applications of AR that I thought of. But uh, again, I think there's plenty more out there. I'm looking forward to what people come up with.
That was awesome. I love how you broke it down through the whole cycle uh, of real estate from planning all the way through to to maintenance, uh, because I, I think that does shine light on the fact that this is much bigger than just someone putting on a set of VR goggles and looking to see what what like that property could look like. Very valuable use in itself, but it can extend way beyond that. And I completely agree with with you and Tim Cook about looking at a flat two-dimensional phone where you're straining your entire body, you're straining your eyes to look at this one flat two-dimensional device. And I think 50 years, maybe even shorter than that, they'll look back uh, at us and be like, what were those guys doing? Why, why were they looking at a, at a three-inch wide device yeah. straining their eyes to <laughs> and swiping around? Like it, It's great technology right now. And it's it seems commonplace but 20 years ago we wouldn't even have been able to fathom it now but i think 20 to 50 years out they're going to look back at us and just think we looked crazy so they're going to be looking at us through their bionic eyes <laughs> <laughs> they might be on mars uh and because the, the robots will have killed everybody that's stayed yeah up. earth is no longer inhabitable at that point <laughs> <laughs> it really is crazy to think though like just how far technology's come especially in the last 70 years uh and then to think if it's on an exponential growth curve what it will look like in in the next few years it is going to be a wild wild ride what's what is your long do you have any long-term predictions any long-term outlook on on where things go yeah um i i came up with some broad predictions years ago and i'm i'm still sticking to it um i think maybe 50 to 100 years from now we are going to see buildings virtually materialize in front of our eyes uh, and it's because there's going to be nanobot swarms that basically assemble buildings. And they're so small that you don't actually see it happening. You just see a building appear. Um, and I think it's going to work in, uh, in conjunction with a number of other technologies that are going to be uh, far more capable than they are now. Um, so like generative AI, like if you want to build something to code that maximizes usability um, and uh, even predicts how, how people will use it um, down to the person, like, <laughs> like knowing where people want to be and how they want to use real estate. Like it will design and assemble a building, I think within a matter of days, if not hours. Um, and the cost, like it's going to be, much less because I think when you get productivity out of basically labor that's not human, um, and I, I'm assuming in the optimistic scenario, we solve a lot of our energy problems by then, you basically have infinite productivity. Um, and this, again, if like <laughs> Earth is still inhabitable and we haven't killed each other, then like there is a utopia <laughs> where uh, productivity is really done by a lot of robotics. Um, and so to add on to that, I think real estate is going to be so personal and customizable. Uh, one of my predictions is that um, you will be able to kind of take your ideal apartment with you wherever you want. Hmm. Um and you'll have your own personalized configurations and these nanobot swarms will be able to configure your apartments. Like there'll be white box buildings with spaces for your, for your living space. And as you go from 
place to place around the world, like your same apartment can be constructed before your eyes and configured to like to to whatever your preferences are. Um, so again, I think this is stuff that's at least 50 to 100 years out. So I probably will never see it. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I, I think it's it's all possible. Well, it does underscore the importance. I'm just trying to stay on on top of trends and see what's happening because it's if you blink, it might something might be there that you didn't know about before, and maybe it has the power to help a competitor to your detriment, or maybe that gives you an advantage over someone else if you are able to capitalize on that. So I think that's actually probably just a neat place to to wrap up on, and and I'd really encourage people to subscribe to you on YouTube because you you have an awesome channel. You put out a ton of great info about prop tech, and then also uh, uh, visit your website. And I'll leave a link to I'll, I'll find the articles that we mentioned here and leave links to those as well. Uh, any other way that people can get in touch with you or or follow along if they want to learn more about prop tech? Yeah, the easiest way is just send a follow request or a message to me on LinkedIn. Um, I do read all my messages, but uh, I do put them through a bit of a filter. So I may not necessarily respond, but I will read it. <laughs> I mean, that's, I think that's all people can ask for. And if if you do reach out to you and you don't get a response, you might need to fine tune your the message that you're sending out. So it could be, could be a good learning lesson either way, but uh, I'd encourage yeah. people to reach out with you and definitely subscribe and check out your uh, website. Derek, once again, thank you very much for taking the time to share with me and share some of your uh, insights and wisdom. Yeah, it was a pleasure talking with you, Chad. Okay, thanks again, Derek. All right, thank you. Hi, I'm Chad Griffiths, and I'm pleased to announce that I'll be offering a membership slash mentorship program in 2024. It's going to cost $250 for the entire year, and it'll grant you uh, exclusive access to interviews with some CEOs, high producing brokers, economists, and really anybody that will help make your journey in industrial real estate that much more productive. And it will also have access to a wide array of professionals all across the world. I'm going to put a limit on this just so that it doesn't get to to a crazy amount where we can still have a tight knit community. And for the first people that sign up, maybe the first 50 people that sign up, I'm also going to send an industrial real estate merch pack. So it'll be a Cool, really cool coin and some other stuff in there. Uh, so sign up now. First guest will be mid-January. And again, uh, members will have exclusive access to ask questions, uh, get to know other people in the forum, and really just try to make this value add. $250, my plan will be that you get a multiple of value back in, a, in and above that $250 cost. Uh, and again, that's for the whole year. So look forward to having you join and uh, really growing out this community and membership uh, in 2020. So put a link below. uh, And if you have any questions, please reach out to me or Wyatt and we'd be happy to get back to you. Thanks. Look forward to a productive 2024.